welcome back to Grit Iron Gamble, the only podcast that puts its money where its mouth is. I'm your host, Rich Ryan, and I'm joined by two members of the collective, the disciple, Brett Colson and Donnie D.P. Peters. The resident moose is off gallivanting in the Czech Republic. Is that right? Is that where Rozvedov is? I think so. I have no idea where Rozvedov is. <laughs> you are correct. I mean, it's, it's in the Czech Republic. Yeah, it's in the Czech Republic, but who knows where it is in the Czech Republic. <laughs> it pretty much borders Germany. He will hopefully right be there. joining us tomorrow as we select the Super Contest card. But for today, for DFS Thursday, it is just us three musketeers. Hope you listened to the recap podcast on Tuesday. It wasn't as somber as I thought it would be as I thought a one-in-four recap podcast would sound, but we were celebrating that successful Chargers veto by DP. But now we are looking at Fantasy DraftKings, specifically getting ready for DFS, and maybe you can take some season-long nuggets away from what we do today as well. Season-long nuggets can also be found in the recap, thanks to the god, Bert Minotti. First thing we do every week on the show is look at the implied team totals based upon the Vegas over-under and the point spreads. And looky here, it is Moe's boy. It is the Philadelphia Eagles. Carson Wentz leading the way with an implied team total of 29.5 points. They are big home favorites against the San Francisco 49ers. They are followed by the New Orleans Saints, who are big home favorites to the Chicago Bears. They have an implied team total of 28.25. And then in Foxborough, it is Tom Brady and the New England Patriots back to being a regular scheduled program touchdown favorites at home against the L.A. Chargers coming into town. Patriots have an implied team total of 27.75. So it's Philadelphia, New Orleans, and New England leading the way with the implied team totals. Looking at the weather, and we've got some rain in some spots here. I don't know how much we want to take uh, take this into consideration, but rain scheduled for Falcons at Jets, light rain scheduled for Niners at Eagles, and then a little drizzle for Cowboys at Racial Slayers. Most important thing to take away from the weather is the wind. Yes. Which I like. I don't want to blame the weather on Brett Hundley's awful performance on Sunday, but it was windy in Green Bay. Like the wind got up to I think twenty mile per hour gusts. And the highest I'm seeing right now, nineteen miles an hour for Panthers at Bucks. Yeah, if it, if it's fifteen plus miles per hour, you're going to want to fade some quarterbacks who uh, don't have the arm strength. There you go. Let's kick it off with some stacks, and we'll keep it with Bert because I always miss not hearing your voice on Tuesday. Lead us off. Lead us strong. What kind of stacks you got, Brett? Well, I'm looking at Kirk Cousins and the slurs against the Cowboys at home. Uh, Kirk Cousins is my cash game quarterback this week. He's a great play in GPPs as well. Uh, Jordan Reed is going to be the chalk, but the price is worth it. He's only 4,700. Ten targets last week, eight catches, two touchdowns. That performance was not built into his price this week because it was on Monday night and DraftKings had already set the prices for this week. So this is a guy who should be 5,500 plus in this home matchup against Dallas, who is horrendous against tight ends. 31st in defense DVOA. Don't get cute. Play Jordan Reed. uh, And you can stack him, of course, with Cousins. 
And even Chris Thompson, who just continues to see solid usage in the passing game, 15-plus fantasy points in five of six games this year for Chris Thompson. He has a really nice ceiling on DK because of the PPR format there. So all over the Redskins against the Cowboys. And my other one this week is Joe Mixon and the Cincinnati Bengals defense. Mixon only 4,700. This is GPP only for me because there's talk about Joe Mixon's immaturity issues. You can't really depend on him in cash games right now because he might just get benched. But this is a great spot for the kid in a game. He he could see 20-plus touches. Uh, the, the Bengals are huge favorites. I think Mixon might have his breakout game against a pitiful Colts defense. Probably get him at lower ownership this week than usual because of what happened last week against Pittsburgh. He only played 22 snaps, rushed the ball seven times because he was so bad in pass protection against the Steelers, who blitz a lot. They couldn't have him on the field. So Mixon, he's now had under underwhelming box score every week. Uh, I think people are going to be fr- afraid to click on him, but this matchup presents an opportunity for him to really display the talent we saw coming into the season. And you can stack him with the Bengals defense because uh, I, I think this defensive line is just going to bowl right over the Colts' offensive line. Massive mismatch here. Brissett, I think, is going to spend a lot of his – time on the ground in this game so I really like Mixon and the Bengals defense and GPPs yeah Mixon is my top back at that price and I get the pass pro concerns and they're valid and Geo is is pretty good at pass pro but the most annoying thing the Bengals have done is they started both halves on Sunday with Jeremy Hill on the field like first possession of the game Jeremy Hill's on the field when you're not in that we need to throw the majority of the time, need a pass pro back on the field. Like the Bengals have just mismanaged this Joe Mixon thing so poorly. He's far and away the best running back on that team. Yeah, and that's why you can't trust him in cash games. He was the first guy I clicked on when building my cash game lineup this week, and then I'm just like, yeah, you know, you, you can't because you don't know what they're going to do, especially with the Jeremy Hill situation. But the upside is there, and that's why we love him in GPPs, in tournaments, and love the mix and call. And, yeah, pairing him with the Bengals defense, you get that nice correlation play. The Colts are pretty much a disaster right now. I mean, they couldn't have looked worse at home last week in a spot as home dogs where – you know, if you, if there was ever a time where you could rally the troops, the Jags are coming to town, and they just they just couldn't get it done. So love that Mixon Bengals play. Yeah, and what I like about Mixon too this week is you get to leverage off of the Bengals passing game, which I think Andy Dalton will be the chalkiest quarterback, and AJ Green will be the chalkiest wide receiver. So you can kind of pivot off of the passing game to the running game and get Mixon at probably ten percent ownership max. And another way to pivot. If you really, really, really want exposure to Dalton, because I agree, I think AJ Green is the the chalk. Uh, is Tyler Croft? Tyler Croft definitely an option. The pass catching tight end for Cincinnati, Moe's darling from a few weeks ago on this very podcast. DP, what stacks do you have, sir? Uh, first one, the San Diego Chargers passing attack. Told you guys a couple weeks ago, I'm going to be picking whoever is playing against New England's. Uh, pass defense all season long i mean i still don't trust them i don't care that they looked a little bit better uh these last two weeks specifically last week against the falcons Uh, i think that was more on the falcons and them being a total dumpster fire as opposed to uh this being on the patriots a couple things here patriots uh they're 28th in pass defense dvoa stephan gilmore is coming back this week he's been practicing all week uh, after that quote-unquote concussion i'm really not quite sold on the fact that it was actually a concussion 
um, as opposed to a benching. Now you probably um, think Gilmore coming back is good for for opposing passing attacks. That, that I was going to say he's coming <laughs> back, and it's going to. I mean, without him, the defense looked better, right? Now he's going to come back, and is he just going to you know refuse to play zone and just want to play man and just run around and not have a clue what's going on? And there's going to be busted coverage everywhere. I kind of think so. So if Stephen Gilmore's back in the lineup, great, awesome. Uh, another interesting thing that just happened this week, Dante Hightower out, likely out for the season now, um, torn pectoral muscles. So, you know, not that Hightower is huge in coverage as a linebacker, but he is, you know, the most experienced linebacker that the Patriots have. He is that glue that holds everything together in the middle of the field. And if he's now out, um, I think that there could be a little bit more disarray. Some more inexperience is going to be thrown into the lineup. And then also you have the whole negative game script of the Chargers uh, being touchdown underdogs, as Rich mentioned, to, to open up the show. Uh, and the game has one of the highest holes of the week. So I really like this Chargers passing attack. Prices aren't too high. I mean, outside of Keenan Allen, who's 7,300, um, you can get some really good prices. And you have a lot of different options. Tyrell Williams, Travis Benjamin, Hunter Henry. All of them work well uh, with Phillip Rivers here. I especially like, and I'm biased here because I'm an owner of this gentleman in Dynasty, I'm especially interested in Tyler uh, uh, Tyrell Williams this week because his performance recently has been so poor. I mean, you pull up the, the game log on DraftKings. Uh, a couple weeks ago, he had a great game against Philadelphia, 20, 25 and a half points. But last three weeks, 2.1, 4.7, 3.2. Travis Benjamin just had a breakout game, deep touchdown on offense, and then, of course, the special team score. So I think Tyrell Williams might be a nice grab this week. Yeah. And like- also, I'm going to jump over to eat some chalk, like Brett mentioned, in the Cincinnati Bengals. I just think that you have to. Um, but I would steer away from A.J. Green and look more towards Tyler Croft and Brandon LaFell. Brett, you were going to hop in there. And any kind of Chargers talk, Brett gets really excited <laughs> Yeah, let's go. Uh, I, I love Tyrell Williams because the, the Patriots are susceptible to that big uh, big pass play downfield, and he's he's the yak guy. He can make plays with his legs after the catch. So I, I think in that offense, in GPPs, I think Tyrell Williams is the best play of the, of the week. Brett brought up the win there, which kind of worries me a little bit about the stack that I'm going to nominate here, but I'm I'm still interested in it based upon the matchup and especially based upon last week's performance. I like Carolina's passing attack. Little Calvin Benjamin, little Devin Funches paired with Cam Newton. They are on the road. They're traveling to Tampa Bay, but the Bucks are last in defense DVOA, last in pass defense DVOA, and kind of like Moe's rule of sports betting in the NFL. We can kind of leverage that in DFS as well. Pick the guys that were absolutely horrifying the week before, and Cam was certainly one of those players, as was the entire Carolina offense. So I think we get a really plus matchup here against Tampa Bay. Uh, Cam also has a little bit of running potential, although it seems like he only cracks that code when in desperation. You could see last week when they're trailing in Chicago, even the the design plays that, uh, that they were calling in that offense they were more willing to run design run plays for Cam because they were desperate as opposed to having the luxury of protecting him in a more neutral script or positive script game. So we might not get as much rushing, but it is Cam, so that potential is certainly there. And, you know, Kelvin Benjamin has been one of the more steady receivers this season, uh, and I've been impressed with 
Devin Funchess's advancement this year as he stepped up in that number two role in the absence of Greg Olson. So I'm interested in your boy, Brett. It's a little bit of scam on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, Funchess is one of my favorite wide receivers this week. So that's a tease to, to later. But, um, I mean, is is Funch, Funchess might be the best wide receiver in this offense now. Might be? No, he is. He is. <laughs> he is. I mean, they're basically running a two-tight end set with Funchess and Benjamin. <laughs> They were it's just like the fucking monsters out there, like were, between the size of Cam Newton at quarterback, and then yeah. you have Funches and Benjamin. They just look like animals out there. I mean, just throw the ball eight feet in the air at all times, and no one's ever going to defend it. And Christian McCaffrey's almost like the little dude in Monsters, right? Like the little annoying point guard guy. They they literally might be the monsters. That's an excellent. I'm nice. a little bit upset. That I don't feel like this is weird enough for you, Rich. I mean, I, I like I because I. You know, I tend to like the Panthers, and, and I, Brett just mentioned that he likes some of the Panthers receivers as well for later on. But so I like when you totally go off the wall. I really can't get weird looking at. I mean, if you. I don't hate a McCown Robbie Anderson stack. I'm going to talk about Robbie Anderson. Well, I might as well just shoot my load right now uh, in the wide receiver section. Robbie Anderson, 23% of his targets have come 20 or more yards down the field. That's fifth amongst receivers with at least 40 targets. And Robbie's hauled in all three of the deep passes from account that were deemed catchable by PFF. And his 30% catch rate, so three out of 10 uh, targets he caught, that's seventh in the league on deep plays. So fifth in targets, seventh in uh, catch rate. And uh, those three that he caught were for 128 yards. And two touchdowns. He is the deep option in the Jets' offense, and McCown has been slinging it. He looked, he's looked great for a couple weeks in a row here. Atlanta's coming to town. Uh, high pace offense. Might need to score a bunch, so I don't hate McCown Robbie Anderson if you must get weird, DP. Back-to-back 25-point fantasy weeks, and nobody is going to click on him again. Yeah. No, no. All he does is produce. He is, and he is your classic analog he was he's he's T.Y. Hilton before T.Y. Hilton became reliable, right? Before T.Y. Hilton grew his route tree and started running more than go routes. Uh, same thing with John Brown. He he's the new guy that yeah he could have two catches for thirty yards, but he could also have five catches for one hundred and fifty yards and two touchdowns. So I just don't understand how Robbie Anderson hasn't been broken in half yet. He is given his so... his frame in in an NFL. I mean, in the league, he just looks like one hit, he's going to be totally shattered to pieces out there. He is so skinny. And part of the reason he's so skinny is because he's pretty freaking tall. I'm pretty sure Robbie Anderson is, so he's listed at 6'3", so he's probably around 6'2", but he's a tall-ass dude. So I think that kind of helps the the skinniness look. Like, if he was, if he was five nine, six six foot flat, at this height, then he would look more like a wide receiver, but his height makes him look so damn skinny. But man, once he gets going and he's got those strides, like he is fast AF. So don't hate McCown Robbie Anderson if you want to get weird. All right, DP, let's get naked. Give us a standalone quarterback or two or three or four or five that you were interested in on Sunday. Uh, just just keeping it to two this week. Uh, I actually had a relatively difficult time trying to find some standalone uh, QBs this week. Um, but I'm going back with my guy, who's also Brett's guy, Tyrod Taylor. I just think I'm going to keep playing this guy every single week if I'm going to be rostering any naked QBs just because 
Right now, Tyrod Taylor doesn't have any weapons. He doesn't. I mean, and Oakland's coming to town this week. Um, their defense is not that good. 28th in DVOA uh, against the pass. Their 30th DVOA. Um, you know, I just I don't I don't really fathom stacking Tyrod with anyone. I mean, I might stack him a little bit in places with Deshaun McCoy. At least I did last week and in a few other weeks. I not so much this week. Um, I think that uh, one reason Deshaun McCoy is going to be very chalky this week. Um, and then the wide receiver options just aren't there for Taylor, but I do expect Taylor to be throwing the ball around. I do expect him to, you know, also gain some yards uh, by running the ball, which he, you know, did last week. So give me Tyrod Taylor at 5,900. And then the other one I have is going back to what Brett mentioned, although I'm playing the QB naked, that's Kirk Cousins, 6,400. I personally just don't feel too comfortable stacking Cousins with anyone. If I did stack him with someone, it would want to be uh, – Jordan Reed. The problem is that Jordan Reed is super chalky, so I want to avoid that. Uh, Dallas is flying high. The Redskins are laying low. Um, Dallas is coming into to Washington, to the nation's capital, with the 20th ranked uh, defense DVOA. So, you know, I tend to look at the whole stock high, stock low thing um, that Rich sort of alluded to earlier. Um, and yeah, I mean, I like Kirk Cousins just to sling it all around the field, use Chris Thompson in that uh, out of the backfield as well. Uh, get involved and you know if if Dallas gets up early then he'll have to throw that's good for me so yeah give me some Kirk Cousins naked at 6400 Bert who you got uh, one rung above Kirk Cousins is my second favorite quarterback of the week and that's Russell Wilson uh, you can certainly stack him with Doug Baldwin here Baldwin 12 targets last week and is he scoops up a lot of the market share in this offense but Wilson spreads the ball around and also scores fantasy points with his legs. So you can run him out naked in DFS lineups. Faces the Texans this week, a team that still has that aura of defensive sturdiness, even though they're without J.J. Watt and Whitney Merciless, both done for the year. Really nice spot here for Russell Wilson, who I don't think is going to be any higher than like 7 to 8% owned. Uh, I'm going to have a lot of Russell Wilson and GPPs this week. I, You know what? You just can. I love that play. Because I was looking at the quarterback right below him, the quarterback on the other side of the ball, and I was trying to make an argument to myself, even though I love Seattle in this game, that Deshaun Watson can make enough plays, especially on the ground, to hit value. But why? No. Am, why am I exactly? Why am I trying to force the issue when I can just pay a hundred dollars more and get Russell Wilson coming home after? It looked like Seattle got their offensive shit together against a, what I still deem to be a pretty good defense on the road, on the East Coast. They've got a banged-up defense coming in. Wait, why am I trying? Why am I trying so hard, Brett, when I can just click Russell Wilson? Yeah, I don't know. And I think a lot of people are going to do what you originally wanted to do and, and try to force Watson into lineups. But that makes no sense against the Seattle defense in Seattle. 100%. Like, why, would you, why, would you, why would you do that? Like. I'm glad that I heard the voice of reason <laughs> because I, I'm totally reversing my decision. And I think Russell Wilson is the play there. I'm, I'm not sold on Houston. I think those injuries were masked by the fact that Kevin Hogan may be one of the worst quarterbacks we've seen in a lifetime, in a millennium. And I think those deficiencies will show through on Sunday in CenturyLink. Let's go to running back. Brett, you get to lead us off here. What types of factor backs are you rostering on Sunday? 
I'm probably going to pay up a running back this week. Uh, I've got LaShawn McCoy, 8,700. He's going to be chalky, but this dude is scooping up all the volume in this offense. McCoy might be the, he might be the best fantasy running back in the league for the rest of the year because the Bills schedule one of the easiest in the league in the second half of the season. McCoy, 20-plus touches in every game so far this year, six or more targets in five of six games this season. He leads the Bills in targets by seven as a running back. He is the Bills' offense. So rather than paying up for for Elliott or Bell, if you're playing the, the Thursday slate this week, I'll take McCoy in, in a great matchup against a bad Raiders defense in New Era Field, expecting another big game out of LaShawn McCoy this week. And if you want to pivot off the chalk at the top at running back this week, I'd like Melvin Gordon at 8,200. This is a perfect spot for a bounce-back game for Gordon. He's coming off that terrible performance against the Broncos last week, gets a matchup with New England this week. The Patriots 31st in the NFL in defense DVOA, 29th in defending running backs in the passing game, and that's where Gordon is so good. This guy is terrible at running the football out of the backfield, but he's phenomenal in the passing game, and I expect them to use him in that way this week. Anthony Lynn, he's a running backs coach, should be able to find ways to get Gordon in space. I think it's a good week to pay up a running back, so I'm going to be going Gordon and McCoy in a lot of my GPPs. And then if you do want to pay down, I mean, I talked about Mixon already. He's my absolute favorite in GPPs. But LeGarrette Blunt at 5,100 in a great matchup here against the 49ers, who were just torched by Zeke Elliott last week. Eagles 13-point favorites. So we could see Blunt on the field a lot late in this game, getting all the touches. I prefer him on a site like Fandle or a site like Fandle or Yahoo, where you're only getting a half a point for receptions. But he is interesting on DraftKings because nobody likes to play him for that reason. So you're going to get him at really low ownership in a just a beautiful spot against the 49ers. Love both of those calls. The Melvin Gordon one, how many empty calories can this guy get in negative script when they run that little short pass, <laughs> that little swing pass with the Patriots playing some sort of deep zone when they had the lead? I mean, Melvin can see up to double-digit catches in a game where the Chargers get behind because he catches the ball so effectively on the outside there. And he can make plays with the ball after the catch. Absolutely love the Melvin call. Nobody is paying 8100 for a running back in New England in what looks like negative scripts. DP, give us some backs. Uh, so Brett stole my thunder a little bit because I wanted to lead off with LeGarrette Blunt, who I absolutely hate. Your boy! But, your, your boy! I mean, listen... I honestly, I, I kept looking over the DraftKings lobby last night and when I was doing my, my research and I was like, I can't believe I'm doing this. I can't believe I'm doing this, but I have to do it. LeGarrette Blount, 5,100. I agree with Brett. Um, I mean, San Francisco is just bad. They expect the Eagles to get up a lot and Blount to be on the field a ton, especially in the later stages of the game. And that's when Blount does his work, when people don't want to tackle his big dump truck ass. You know, despite the fact that the guy can't hit holes and is wearing, you know, cement cinder blocks as his shoes all game long, he will barrel for 40 and 50 yard runs, you know, when there's seven minutes left on the clock and his team is up 20. So roster, look at Blunt, have fun. I'm sure I will be screaming at my TV to, uh, plenty on Sunday uh, with him. Uh, moving on. Uh, also like Joe Mixon, uh, Brett brought him up earlier on the stacks. Um, I love Joe Mixon this week at 4,700. Indianapolis is a total dumpster fire of a team. Um, I expect uh, Joe Mixon to be a big part uh, of the of the offense all around, um, both at the beginning when the Bengals are working to get up uh, in what I think is going to be a blowout, and then also later on in uh, looking to ice the game 
um, and run out the clock. The only thing we have to worry about here is Marvin Lewis and his stupidity and if he's going to actually play the best running back on their roster. Uh, but at fifty or 4,700, sorry, um, I don't think you can you can pass up on Joe Mixon. And then lastly, uh, paying up a little bit, Jordan Howard at 6,800. I understand this goes against everything you know, in terms of game script for Chicago as they're going to New Orleans to play against the Saints in the Dome down there, and it's supposed to be high scoring. They're supposed to be uh, playing from behind, that sort of thing. But John Fox, is he's just the guy to take the ball out of his rookie quarterback's hands and go completely against game script and try and control the game flow by running the ball. Uh, the last two weeks, he's only let uh, Trubisky throw 16 passes in Week 6, uh, seven passes last week in Week 7, uh, and in those two weeks, Howard, uh, he's been that much bigger workhorse back. It doesn't also doesn't seem like uh, John Fox trusts Tariq Cohen too, too well. Um, he ran the ball 36 times. Howard did uh, in week six, 21 times last week in week seven. So I really like Jordan Howard here. I think that they're, you know, John Fox is just going to go in with that mentality. We're going to try and control the game. We're going to try and play at our own pace. And he's going to hand the ball off a ton to Jordan Howard. Uh, I really like him this week. I already said it. Love Joe Mixon this week. I think he's the perfect GPP play. You have to go in with the expectations that, as both Brett and Donnie noted, Marvin Lewis and the coaching staff can screw this whole thing all the way the fuck up. And Joe Mixon could not get the usage that he deserves in a game with a perfect script for him to absolutely have a coming out party. And that's just something you have to know going in. And it's built into his price tag and his likely friendly ownership totals. I also absolutely love uh, the LeGarrette Blunt call. I mean, this dude is the, if if you were to explain to somebody the difference between positive and negative game script and how it can correlate with a running back's performance, the the lifetime of LeGarrette Blunt is the perfect example of that. Uh, because whatever correlation that you run, it's going to be so strong <laughs> for this dude throughout his tenure in the NFL. So love that call as well. And... So I'm going to I'm going to give a play and then I'm going to ask a couple questions so we could have some theoretical conversations. Uh my play is Mr. Matt Forte. Uh not sexy, but at 4200, super intriguing since coming back from injury. Uh he's been on the field a good amount. 44 snaps in week 6 and then it dropped last week to 28 snaps, but what is more intriguing about Forte just like how Mixon is not getting on the field, they're not trusting Elijah McGuire in pass pro. So when Matt Forte is on the field, 75% of the time it is a pass play. So Forte is the passing down back right now in the Jets offense. And this is a game with Atlanta coming to town. I noted before when I touted McCown and Anderson where it could be high pace, it could be high scoring. And if the Jets find themselves in negative script, which they are home dogs in this spot. Forte is going to find himself on the field more often than not. And I still think he looks good. He, he looks fine. He's, he's not the Matt Forte of the early 2010s in Chicago being an absolute monster, but he's certainly a much better running back than Bilal Powell and Elijah McGuire. I don't think there's any questioning that. And as long as his usage is there, uh, I think his price tag makes him essentially free. Uh, on a site with full PPR like DraftKings. Now that I got that, anything to add there, Brett? Yeah, I really like your process here. I think this is a a really interesting spot on DraftKings where you get a guy who's got 13 targets the last two weeks and nobody's going to play him. 
probably like one one two percent ownership. He hasn't been any higher than one percent ownership all year. So why not? Now let's start talking theoretical here. There are three running backs who could be hella chalky, but also could return dividends. And I would like to hear the opinion. Well, first I'll go to DP, the resident Patriots fan. So we've got a changing of the guard in the backfield in New England, or so it seems. Deion Lewis's snap rate has gone up week over week over week over week, literally, and his carry rate has as well. So now we find him at 4,600 this week on DraftKings. DP, is Deion Lewis the number one back in New England, and do you think it will continue that way? I'm happy you brought up the Patriots running backs because I did want to talk about them a little bit. Uh, So I think that right now, Deion Lewis is the number one running back option uh, out of New England. Um, So coming into the season, I think that uh, Bill Belichick and the Patriots had a different idea of how they were going to deploy uh, this rushing attack. I thought that they thought because of all the offseason moves, what they did both on offense and on defense, they were going to be that that high-scoring um, you know, flying high, blowing teams out of the water team of, of the past that the Patriots have always been, and they would be able to to use someone like Mike Gillisley much more, uh, more so, um, you know, just to really pound people, put the put the game on ice in the fourth quarter, that sort of stuff. Hasn't worked out that way. Um, Mike Gillisley hasn't really been producing that well outside of uh, the first game of the season. So I think that he's taken a few uh steps back in terms of uh, being deployed in the offense. And uh, and when it comes to running the ball, Deion Lewis looks the best. Uh, You know, I mean, he's tiny, he gets drilled, but he makes people miss. And, you know, he can also come out of the backfield uh, in in the passing game if he needs to. Um, James, James White isn't that good of a runner. Um, I mean, he's, he's decent, but he's, he's not Deion Lewis. Um, And then, so the only, the issue that I have this week specifically is, I'm kind of thinking this might be the week that Bill Belichick goes Rex Burkhead crazy. Um, I don't really know why. I mean, I've been reading some things out of out of New England Patriots camp, uh, you know, just leading in the week. It really sounds like Burkhead is ready to go and Bill Belichick is, you know, been hinting. I mean, not that Bill Belichick is ever going to come out and say that he's going to be using someone more so than anyone else, but... I don't know. I feel like Bill Belichick likes to spread things out. I also feel like anytime somebody gets on a true role, he always tends to sort of pull them back down to earth. And Deion Lewis has been doing really well, so I, he might pull, you know, pull on the reins a little bit and, and let Burkhead uh, run wild. So that would be my little concern here going into the week. My biggest concern with Deion Lewis is ownership. And this is where I will turn to the god, Burt Minotti. That price tag is very low. All of the news has been very positive for Dion Lewis. What say you, Brett? What will ownership be for Dion on Sunday? Nothing. Really? Nobody, nobody trusts this New England passing game, and they shouldn't trust. It's it's all situational for this team. I mean, I guess if you're going by snaps and rush uh, rushes, Lewis is number one. But it's so spread out, you you can't click on this guy. Especially, I mean, it's certainly not in cash games. Don't play any oh, yeah. New England running back yeah, in cash please games. Don't. But, but I, yeah, I don't, I don't think I can do it either. I, I'm, just, I mean, yeah. I'm just looking at again pure ceiling play. You know, what is the best outcome possible? And I, I know I go I go into this knowing that 
even though he is the smaller back and he is pretty good out of the backfield, he is not the passing downs back. That is James what James White. If there is one role on this team that is carved out and is cemented, it is James White is the pass catching back in this offense. Yes. Lewis, I think Lewis only has like seven or eight receptions this year, and that is a problem when you're on draft games. Right. So let's then pivot to another very interesting situation, and it is right in your backyard, Mr. Minotti. It is in Orchard Park. It is at New Era Field. What are we doing with Oakland here? Shouldn't we be interested in this backfield? Shouldn't we put a couple, split our equity and fire some on DeAndre and fire some on Jalen? Is this a thing we should be doing, Brett? Yes, absolutely. Because one of them is going to, I mean, I, they might both hit value because they're going to get touches and they're so cheap. Uh, it's its worth having some exposure to both. I prefer Washington, just given what happened last year when uh, they were in a similar situation and it was Richard in Washington in the backfield. I think Washington saw like 66% of the touches. Um, but Richard has that big playability. So I think, you know, given the ceiling of, of touches for both these guys. Absolutely. You have to have some exposure to both. Richard 4,300 Washington 4,100. So certainly both of them could hit value uh, <laughs> in this offense. Shame that we don't get the Marshawn Lynch revenge game in Buffalo though. That's it. It's so long ago. It doesn't even apply. <laughs> Does Is the Applebee's still standing? Probably. There's <laughs> way too many Applebee's in this fucking town. <laughs> All right, let's move on to wide receiver. DP, you get to lead us off. Give us some pass catchers you like on Sunday. All right, first up, uh, I really like Nelson Aguilar uh, this week, 5,500. He's looked really good the past few weeks. Uh, he's averaging more than five targets a game, uh, and he's hauling in the majority of those passes. He's also gotten in the end zone in five of seven games uh, this season. Um, he seems to be a, a favorite wide receiver of, of Carson Wentz, who's playing really well this year. Um, and, and I just, you know, I, I like the price points, not too high. Um, but you get a good, uh, solid wide receiver this week, um, in Aguilar. Um, also some guys that, uh, you guys both talked about earlier. Uh, I like Calvin Benjamin and Devin Funches, um, 6,400 for Benjamin, 5,900 for Funches. I think that I'm leaning towards, uh, Funches here. Um, if you know, I'm going to have exposure to both of them. Um, but I think that Funches is the better of the two wide receivers, at least as of late. Um, you know, I mean, I'm going to be rostering them in a lot of spots, uh, separately, uh, just trying to get as much exposure as I can to these two guys. I think that they're going to have a big bounce back performances, uh, this week against the bucks who, you know, they're just not that good, uh, on defense. And then another two guys that, uh, I like are up in, uh, up in Washington state this week, Will Fuller at 5,300 and Tyler Lockett at 4,100. Um, I like taking a couple flyers, not too much exposure. I won't be going nuts with these two guys. Um, I think that, uh, you know, for Will Fuller, a lot, you know, the Seattle defense is going to shade towards DeAndre Hopkins. Will Fuller has just been absolutely blowing doors every single week. He's had two, two and one in terms of touchdowns in the three games that he's played. Um, and, you know, if they're going to be playing from behind, he could be somebody who breaks a big player too. Uh, really hits value that way. And then Tyler Lockett, um, I just like the, the big play possibility. Um, similar reasons to Fuller, where the defense on Houston side of the ball should be shading towards Doug Baldwin, also a little bit towards Jimmy Graham. Um, so I look for Tyler Lockett to get his fair share of targets, hopefully break one deep and uh, hit value that way. He's only 4,100, so he's the cheaper of these two options. Brett, who you got at receiver? 
Mentioned Doug Baldwin. He is my favorite wide receiver this week, and I'm all over Devin Funches as well at 5,900. The Bucks defense is going to get better every week as they get healthier, but this secondary is bad. Funches should see some Vernon Hargraves this week, should see some Robert McClain in this game because he runs routes from all over the field. Uh, those two guys grading amongst the worst cornerbacks in the NFL this season. And the, and the volume for Funches is there. He has eight-plus targets in five straight games. Calvin Benjamin has only seen eight targets twice this year. Uh, Funches, the more reliable option for Carolina if you want to throw him into cash game lineups. I love that this week. And uh, certainly viable in GPPs as well. And my my GPP play this week is T.Y. Hilton. He's only 5,600. The matchup here isn't good against Cincinnati's defense, but Hilton always a threat to break off a big play. He's a high-variance wide receiver, great for GPPs, and uh, the Colts should be in negative game flow from the start in this one. So I like a correlation play here with uh, Mixon and T.Y. Hilton. Hilton in the same price range as Nelson Aguilar, Danny Amendola, Marvin Jones. He's way too cheap and too good to be priced this low. So I'll take a shot with T.Y. Hilton in several of my GPPs this week. Talked about the Carolina receivers, just to reiterate, love Devin Funches as well. Talked about Robbie Anderson earlier. I think he's a, a great play with some terrific upside. If you feel like your lineup is diverse enough outside of the wide receiver position, I'm okay eating a little bit of chalk on A.J. Green. Just think that matchup is really great. And then another receiver that I fear may be chalky due to the injury on the other side, but... Last time we saw him on the field, had a 99% snap rate on offense and is really the only professional receiver, maybe TJ Jones, standing in the offense is, is Marvin Jones. Marvin Jones, fourth in the league in uh, catch rate on deep balls. He's caught 44, 45% of the deep balls thrown his way, five of the 11 targets that Stafford has thrown to him 20 or more yards down the field. Uh, he hauled those in for 156 yards and two scores. So not only will they need to rely on him in uh, in the short area to take away some of Golden Tate's work, but he is going to be the receiver working downfield. Uh, and uh, the unfortunate thing in all of this is that you can only get him on the late slate because they play the Steelers on Sunday night football. Something to note there, though, is that Golden Tate did practice on Wednesday ah. and might play this week somehow i don't know how after the, the ac joint issue but uh he might play if he doesn't play i'm i'm with you i really like marvin jones this week tough son of a bitch golden tate i would not put it past him <laughs> i love that dude he's he's just straight football player man to play with a uh a sprained ac joint all right let's get to the tight end position and finally finally we can ask ourselves one very important question since the beginning of time, man has been faced with one undying question to which the correct answer may lead to a lifetime of riches and eternal glory. Eternal glory. Hola, me llamo Roberto. Yo soy fiesta. Y tú también. Tú eres fiesta. Coming off a very quiet game in primetime, three catches for 51 yards. He's only $100 more than the next most expensive tight end, Brett, to Eres Fiesta. Yeah, if you can afford Gronk this week, do it. 
I'm going to sound like a broken record here, but the Chargers are not good at covering the middle of the field. My man, Jatavis Brown, had a ball dropped in his pocket last <laughs> week, and he still managed to let it hit the ground. That guy is so bad. So Gronk has some nice matchups this week with the Chargers, uh, the uh, guys in this defense. It's going to be hard to fit him in for me this week because I'm paying up at quarterback and then running back. But where I can, yeah, definitely uh, going with some Gronk. DP to a Fiesta. Nope, not doing it. I'm still still not rostering Gronk. I just no, not doing it. Lo- I love the spot. If you if you have room, get him in there. J- just the fact that the market is close to him, that there's actually another tight end in the NFL that is a hundred dollars less than him. I feel like in principle, you have to have some exposure to Gronk because he's way more than a hundred dollars better than anybody who's in the neighborhood at the tight end position. So if we're not going Gronk, if you pay up in the spots, you pay up at quarterback and running back. Where are you pivoting Bert? A lot of Jordan Reed for me this week. Uh, He's going to be chalky, but I, I plan on going probably double ownership. Uh, So if he's 20, 25%, I'm probably going to go 50% in GPPs and and probably a hundred percent in cash games. His price is just way too low. Uh, so all the Jordan Reed from this week. And if I if I am going to pivot, probably Hunter Henry. He just keeps getting looks. And he's showing why he was the league's most efficient tight end last season. Granted, in a, in a small sample. But uh, Hunter Henry's awesome. In a great matchup here against the Patriots. Uh, against linebackers who we love to pick on. So um, I like both. I, I think a double tight end here in this game with uh, some Henry and some Gronk is a great way to go on DraftKings. DP, where are you going? Love Hunter Henry this week. Uh, I mean, I talked about it a bit when I talked about the stack to open up the show. Uh, I just don't think that this uh, Patriots passing defense is any good. Hunter Henry's been getting more and more targets. It finally seems like they realize that he is one of the best passing options and certainly the best tight end option uh, for the Los Angeles Chargers. So so that's great. I also like Jimmy Graham uh, this week at 4,600. Uh, after a slow start in the first two games of the season, uh, Graham's been pretty consistent, averaging 13.5 points on DraftKings and getting nearly eight targets a game. And then if I'm going to punt play, uh, I like uh, Nick O'Leary, 3,100, coming out of Buffalo. Uh, Tyrod Taylor needs to throw the ball to someone, I guess. So why not take a couple shots here and there um, against the Raiders defense that is 31st in pass defense DVOA, 25th against tight end specifically. And then you have the whole... The other tight end, so Charles Clay is out, but then Logan Thomas, the other tight end, he was excused in practice on Wednesday um, for a personal issue. Doesn't seem like he's going to be back anytime soon from what I'm reading. Sounds like they're just going to kind of let him do his thing and figure out his situation. So give me some Nick O'Leary, I guess. Why not, right? Coming off of a really bad game when the only time Nick O'Leary has ever been spoken of was last week, good spot to pivot back to Nick O'Leary. Uh, for all the reasons you just said, 31st, uh, Oakland 31st in pass defense, DVOA 25th against the tight end. I'm interested in him. I'm interested at 3K at for Tyler Croft. Mentioned that before. Again, if you want to pivot and make a Andy Dalton stack a little more palatable, then Tyler Croft is an option at 3K. Tight end, man. Giants are on by. Ravens and Browns are playing an island game, so they're not available on the main slate. Like, where where are the free options? <laughs> so brutal that we actually have to think at tight end this week. If I'm if I'm stacking Russell Wilson, do I have to play Jimmy Graham? You could play Luke 
Wilson with two L's. If you want. Yeah, I might do that instead. <laughs> Jimmy Graham is so bad. This guy should be the number one tight end in fantasy football right now, but he can't catch. <laughs> He's horrendous. He should have had three touchdowns last week. <laughs> Man, sounds like you got like a personal. Do do you? Whenever, because they show this a million times, and whenever they show the Jimmy Graham montage, how he flies to practice, he has that like seaplane. Uh, do you just find yourself cursing at the television? It seems like you have a personal vendetta against Jimmy Graham. No, no personal vendetta. The guy is just terrible. He can't move and can't catch. Why is he on the field? <laughs> oh, poor Jimmy Graham. All right. Defense, special teams, finish strong. DP, who you got? I struggled uh, with defense this week. I hate paying up for defenses, and I feel like a lot of the good options are at the top of the salary charts, so I tried to avoid them. Um, I also think a lot of the top options will be a bit chalky. Um, so looking down, I went with the Redskins, 2300. Uh, so one of the things, Rich, you alluded to it a little bit earlier. Uh, I also brought it up again, is that when I look at when I'm picking my defense is the stock high, stock low factor. So you have Dallas, who's riding high right now, coming into Washington to play the Redskins. Redskins um, are you know laying low. They had a bad week last week against the Eagles. Um, so that combination here uh, it allows me to buy cheap. Uh, I love getting my defenses for next to nothing, like I said. So, you know, I, I kind of like taking a flyer here. I don't think that the Redskins defense is that bad. Uh, I think that Dak Prescott and the Dallas offense could come back down to earth a little bit after putting up 44 points or whatever the heck it was last week against the 49ers. So um, I'll take some shots uh, with the Redskins, and that's really all I have. I'm going to defer to you guys, and hopefully you can help me out here in the defensive side of the world. Yeah, I, I have nothing outside of the chalk-ass Bengals. I, I I was staring before we did the podcast this morning. I, I get up around 4.45, I grab a shower, I come out, I make some egg sandwiches, and what I do while I'm cooking is I start setting my lineups for the week and season long. And in one league, uh, I don't have a defense this week because of a bye, and I needed to use my waivers on quarterback and tight end because it's a 14-team league, and I stream there. So I was looking at the defensive options, and because there are six teams on bye, I was just staring at the waiver column for no less than 15 minutes. And I was like, I have no idea. Out of all these bottom-of-the-barrel defenses, there are no teams where I'm like, yeah, I can click them and be confident in them. So, Brett, please, please be a beacon of light where I can get a value defense. I'm begging you. I have no value defenses God this week. I'm, I'm, paying, I'm paying up for defense this week. Damn it. It's a lot of Bengals this week, especially where I have Mixon. Uh, I love the correlation there. According to Pro Football Focus, the Bengals have a 25% advantage over the Colts on the defensive line. That's the highest of the week. Those are the matchups I like to exploit because if you're getting pressure on a bad quarterback, it's going to result in great things. And my, my favorite defense of the week, though, is Seattle. They're actually not that expensive. They're right, I think they're like 3200 against Houston, and I like them for similar reasons. The Texans are very poor up front, and you've also got a rookie quarterback making his first start in Seattle against the Legion of Boom. I think Seattle, I think this defense just goes off this week against Watson. I love this spot for them. So I'm paying up. Thanks for nothing. Sorry. At least Donnie gave me the the racial slurs who I can actually take. It's You know, I also wanted to kind of like the Jets sneakily only because Matt Ryan is the fucking head case right now, and the Falcons look like a total disaster with Steve Sarkeesian calling the plays on offense. Um, I just don't know how much this could be a get-right game for them, and they could just go nuts. Just They have a lot of talent on offense. Uh, so 
So yeah, I kind of wanted to like the Jets as well. I guess if you want to, you know, take a shot at the bottom, they're only twenty two hundred. Much love to Buster. He uh, is in the concussion protocol. Uh, I do not wish injury on even my least favorite NFL players, much less a head injury. Hope hopefully he gets well soon. In but good riddance. Yes, thank God he's not in the slot. <laughs> even if it challenges Bowles and the defensive team to think of creative ways to guard the slot. Uh, allocate, bring May uh, or Adams down to play the slot more often or chip uh, chip a linebacker and then get another nickel back in there to, to do something, even if it makes them think outside the box to guard the slot. Anything has to be better than what Buster has done. Anything. That guy. Cost us the win last, last week. On that, he's, uh, gr- he's great because you don't you don't always notice him, but he has he has at least two just totally bonehead <laughs> plays every single week, and you're like, "Yep, that's fucking Buster Screen." I mean, the uh, that way to go that that deep pass interference where I mean we have two rookie safeties and they they played the ball perfectly. They knew exactly where to be, and Buster's job was is basically to to run the post uh, or whatever if there's a deep route and basically hand the receiver off to the guys behind him. Trust the guys behind you. And instead, Buster just runs through, I believe it was Kenny Stills, uh, as the ball is approaching for DPI. Just, like, runs. They punched him in the face. Like, just, just, like, while, while the ball was in the air. What are you doing? <laughs> just trust your guys. So, yes. Well wishes to Buster. Hope you get back soon. Uh, but, yeah. Don't need you in the slot. Uh, so, the Jets are interesting. Basically, my options are, I'm going to let you guys... Make the decision right now. And, and there are people in this league that listen. So they'll be able to see the transaction and they'll know that it was made on this podcast. I can go New England, Washington, or New York. Of those three. Standard Yahoo. Who you got, Brett? New England, home to the Chargers. Washington, home to the Cowboys. New York, home to the Falcons. I don't want any of those. I know, but, but they're the best options. Unless you How to... are those the best options? <laughs> well, here's the thing. Uh, Baltimore and Miami, I don't know why, but they were dropped, so they're on waivers, and they won't clear until after the Island game. I obviously would have loved either of those teams. The total is 37 tonight, 38. Uh, so, yeah, those were the two best options. But I can't get them until after the island game is over. I think t- I think uh, attacking Dak and the Cowboys is a terrible idea. Uh, they don't turn the ball over. They they control the time of possession. I think that's a terrible play. Sorry, Donnie. So are, but, we, are we just targeting noodle arm? Good. I can't wait to prove you wrong. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, I like probably. Proving Brett wrong. <laughs> I think probably the Patriots are the best option there. Are we, are we just targeting the noodle? Yeah. Your boy. Go with the Jets, you baby. Come on. Matt Ryan doesn't know what he's doing. He's going to throw three picks. No, I, so Steve I, Sarkeesian is drunk. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a good point. I, I hate this Falcons offense too right now. So maybe, How maybe great is it that, that, they, that Dan Quinn decides to take Steve Sarkeesian off the sidelines and put him up in the booth? They go to New England, and it's nothing but fog, and you can't even see the fucking field from the booth, yet they <laughs> leave him in the booth at halftime. Well, that's a thing that happened? Yeah, he stayed up there the whole game. Oh my god! I mean, what like what are you guys doing? I understand you guys, have, you know, you have monitors and TVs and shit, but like, dude, you're killing me here. I mean, that seems f- fairly clueless of a <laughs> decision to make. 
All right, so here we go. I'm dropping Case Keenum, and I'm picking up the Jets' defense. It is done. One other thing, real quick. I I Googled Jimmy Graham because I wanted to see how old he was because we were just talking about how much he's lost a step. He turns 31 in November, and in the news section of my Google search here, there are rumors that the Saints are going to trade for him? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> Yeah, what? Where, where did that come from? Well, and why aren't the Saints use Kobe Fleener more? Well, Kobe Fleener's horrible at football. Yeah, he's, that's he's why. Bad. Yeah, but you don't have to necessarily be good if if you have a ton of other options and you can just kind of get open down the middle of the field. Why hasn't uh, now? I'm gonna forget his name. The light skinned dude who was suspended and then missed a game because of injury. Uh, on the Saints, slot receiver Bueller. Got Willie Sneed. Willie Sneed. Thank you. Why hasn't he become a thing? He's been he's been hurt. How do you get hurt coming off of yeah, suspension? Isn't he back? I don't understand. He didn't. I think he he didn't play last week because of injury, right? Oh my god! What is wrong with you, Willie? Sure, Sneed? that's what happened. Stop practicing so hard. Wasn't he out for three weeks? Why don't you just recover? Well, that's what I mean. He was suspended to start the season, and then he missed the the game he was scheduled to come back. He missed due to injury, which I'm is I'm puzzled over unless he got injured in the preseason and was dealing with it somebody knows all of this and they're a saints fan they're listening and they're just screaming at our pod at this podcast as we saints best yeah, team best team in the nfl as, as we, say hi say hi to kevin taylor yeah who's, shut out kevin taylor as we stumble around unknowingly not knowing anything and just talking out of our asses about willie Sneed. no he did not play last week he did not play three weeks ago against the dolphins he played against the the lions had one catch Playing hurt. I think he's a stash candidate. Although the Saints, as much as they throw the ball, tend to run. I know this fact, and, and I, but I don't know the percentage. Tend to run two receiver sets more often than you would think. More often than teams that pass the ball as frequently as they do. And the way Ted Ginn Jr. is playing, I don't think they're going to take him off the field. Uh, and they also can do the two, the two running back thing now, where they can go uh, split backs too wide, and maybe Willie Snead just won't get on the field. That that Ted Ginn signing was so brilliant. He's the perfect fit in that stadium. Yeah, let me uh, let me just run go routes and then these little short crossers where I can just get on my horse and nobody can touch me. It's amazing. For as bad as the AP signing was, AD, the uh, Willie Sneed sign or the uh, Ted Ginn signing was pretty brilliant. So that's the DFS pod with some. Uh, stupid Saints talk at the end where we just guess about their slot receiver that was suspended and injured. Uh, if you want to tweet at these guys, you have any questions on Sunday or any trade problems, free agent pickups, these guys will answer at Brett Colson, C-O-L-L-S-O-N and at Donnie underscore Peters. I'm at Rich T. Ryan and we'll be back tomorrow to give you our super contest card where we're not going to go one and four. I feel it in my bones. Enjoy the football tonight. Peace. Out.